Good morning, Seven Mile Road family. Listen, I want to greet you this morning in the same way the Apostle Paul ends his letter to the church at Philippi in chapter 4, verse 23. He says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So we're praying that you are well, that God is sustaining you by His grace uh, and and, uh, enlivening your spirit through the gospel. Um, On January 8th, 1956, five men, American missionaries, were martyred in Ecuador by the Warani people. And this is an amazing story. Shortly after they landed, they knew they were in a hostile place. They had decided they would not use any weapons to defend themselves as they sought to bring the gospel to these people. And shortly after they landed, they were killed. Uh, And if you follow that story, um, you'll learn that the wives of these men and others went back to bring the gospel to that tribe. And God brought repentance and granted faith to the very men who killed these missionaries. And of these five men, probably the most well-known is a a man named Jim Elliott. And after his death, his journals were published and encouraged countless Christians because of his deep reflections and meditations on the Scripture. And in one of those uh, journal entries, uh, we find one of his most famous quotes. And he said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, to gain that which he cannot lose. Now, if you've been walking with us through the book of Philippians, maybe that sounds familiar to you. Maybe that sounds like the Apostle Paul in chapter 1, right? To live is Christ and to die is gain. It's not foolish to give yourself away if you have gained the treasure of who Christ is. So Jim Elliott and those men who died with him and the Apostle Paul that we see in Philippians and the poor Philippian Christians they understood something. They, they learned a secret. See, they discovered that there is a treasure far more valuable than any treasure that this world has to offer. And once you get that treasure, it can never be taken away. Therefore, they, Jim Elliot, the Apostle Paul, the church at Philippi, they were freed up to give of themselves, to give away constantly because they knew they couldn't lose what matters most. I think Jim Elliott's quote wonderfully summarizes uh, the, the passage that we're in this morning as we come to the end of the book of Philippians and look at verses 14 through 23 with a focus really on verses 14 through 20. And see, the key verse in this passage is verse 19, where the Apostle Paul says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So last week, if you remember, Pastor Clint walked us through uh, verses 10 through 13, where we saw that we have all we need in Jesus, therefore we can be content. And now that thought continues uh, as Paul is thanking the church at Philippi once again for their partnership in the ministry. And what Paul is showing us here as he commends the church at Philippi is contentment gives way to generosity. That's what we see here. In fact, the main idea, if you were to just sum up this passage in in one uh, one thought, it would be this. Because we have eternal riches in our generous Christ, we can be generous for the good of others in the glory of Christ. 
And so as we walk through this passage this morning, we want to see three things about generosity. First, we see the the mission of generosity, which is gospel advancement in verses 14 through 17. Secondly, we see the purpose of generosity, which is worship in verse 18. And third and finally, we see the source of generosity, which is Christ in verses 19 and 20. So let's go to the Lord in, in prayer and ask Him to bless our time in His Word. Father, we thank You for the gift of Your Word. We thank You that we don't have to wonder what You desire of us. That You have given us all that is necessary for life and godliness. And we pray, God, that Your Holy Spirit would impress upon our hearts the truth of Your Word to us. That we would breathe in Your Word, God. And that we would see that the treasure of Jesus is far greater than the treasures of this world. And that in turn, we would then be stirred up to be generous with our time, our resources, our very lives for the good of others and the glory of your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we see in this passage is the mission of generosity, which is gospel advancement. Look at verse 14. Paul says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. So Paul is, again, commending the church at Philippi for their partnership in the gospel. They were partners with him from the very beginning. He mentions this in chapter 1, verse verses 5 which included financially supporting his work. But notice what he says here. He says their their giving is sharing with him. It's actually fellowship with him in the ministry. They are partnering with him in gospel ministry. They're not just sending checks and and not really concerned with with what's going on. Uh, They want to know how Paul is doing. They want to see him thrive. They want to see the gospel go forth. They are together unified in this mission of bringing the gospel to those who have who have never heard. In fact, Paul upholds the church at Philippi in contrast with another church who is struggling with giving, the church at Corinth. And we read this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We saw this a little bit last week, looked at this chapter, but verses 3 through 5, where Paul holds them up. Listen to what he says about the church at Philippi. He says, They gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You see, these were Christians who were so given over to the will of God that they naturally overflowed with generosity for the mission of God. Now, Paul goes on to explain Uh, how this, their giving, advances the external mission of the church. Look at verses 15 and 16. Paul says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except only you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. You see, so, so what Paul is saying is, They were giving continual support. Notice that when he left Macedonia, which is the region where Philippi was, and when he ministered in Thessalonica, when no one else would support, this poor group of Christians were generous for the mission of God. Now, that leads us to to question, okay, why would a church in Philippi care about what happens in Thessalonica, which is 100 miles away? And the answer is simple. When you're so enamored with something, you desire to share it with others, right? The the Philippians were so blessed by Paul's gospel ministry. He had had planted the church in Philippi. 
that they said, we want the regions around us, we want others to experience the joy of the gospel like we have. Therefore, let's support our brother Paul as he brings the gospel to them. We see this in our own lives, right? Right now I'm reading a great book. I'm reading it slowly. It's blessing my soul. And you know what I'm finding myself doing as I'm reading it? I'm sending text messages to people. I'm saying, listen, you've got to get this book. I'm buying copies and sending them to people. Why? Because I am so encouraged. My soul is so nourished by it. I want, naturally, that overflows into a desire for others to share in the same thing. And that's exactly what's happening in the church at Philippi. See, every church should have a local, regional, national, and global vision for the gospel to go out, right? This is, this is why Jesus says in Acts 1.8, you will receive Holy Spirit power and you will be my witnesses in where? Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. See, so how, how does that work? You can't be in Jerusalem and the uttermost parts of the earth at the same time. Well, one of the ways that works is by generous Christians saying, we need the gospel in our own city, but we also want to see it go out. So let's support the work of God. See, we are as a church, we want to see Waltham saturated with the gospel, right? But guess what? We also want to see Hyannis saturated with the gospel. We want, to, we want to see Pastor Jeremy thrive as he plants a gospel preaching church on Cape Cod. We also partner with groups like the Send Network in Acts 29 because we want to see our region and our nation reach with the gospel. We want to see our mission partners in Africa and Uganda who are strengthening churches and translating the Bible and training up leaders. We want to see them thrive because the gospel is global. And how does that work? It works by the generosity of God's people propelling the external mission of the church. And Paul commends the church at Philippi for that. And God commends us when we are likewise generous for the mission. He goes on to say, though, that there's not just this external blessing of, of, of uh, sending out the, the gospel, but there's also an internal building up of the church. Look at verse 17. He says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul is saying, my primary concern, he's, he's likely answering critics here, my primary concern is not money. I'm not one of those pastors who's trying to get rich. What I care most about is the blessing of your own souls. That's why I want you to be generous for the mission of God. Think of this like a Shark Tank. Maybe you've seen Shark Tank before, right? You have these you know, rich millionaires, billionaires, they're hearing ideas, and, and what do they want to hear? They want to hear, am I going to get a return on my investment in this, Right? By the way, side note, the best Shark Tank idea is the wake and bacon, right? It's an alarm clock that cooks bacon when you wake up. Guess what? They didn't get supported on it. They, they failed uh, on, on that pitch, right? But what is Paul saying here? He's saying, listen, the return on your investment in the mission of God pays rich dividends. It blesses your soul. He's not talking here about financial blessing. If you give money, then you will automatically get money in return. No, he's saying the spiritual and eternal blessings are yours when you're generous for the cause of Christ. We see this in the words of Jesus as Paul's telling the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, 35. He quotes the teaching of Jesus who says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Proverbs eleven twenty five 25 says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will be himself watered. When we're generous for the mission of God, we experience rich blessing. Now there's a number of ways that we're blessed by this. Let me just give you four of them. When you, when you give for God's mission, you're reminded that it all belongs to God anyways. It's not primarily your money. 
It's not your paycheck or, or your time or your resources or your talents. It's not even your life. It's God's. He's granted it to you. And so when you are investing in the kingdom, you're reminded, oh, everything I have and am belongs to God anyways. Second, you also, when you give, you're exercising faith in God's provision. All right, listen, I understand. When you give, you can, every time you can say, listen, that could be used for something else. Especially us. We live in one of the most expensive cities in our nation. And as you're giving to the mission, you're meant to feel that pull of, man, I could use this for something over here that might even be useful. Well, what is that? That is a time to exercise faith in God's provision. Third, when you give to the mission, you're declaring that Jesus is your greatest treasure. We, we live in a world that says the best thing you can do is just hoard everything for yourself. right? Cling on to the riches of this world, but no. The gospel says we need to hold these things loosely because Jesus is our greatest treasure. And then fourth, when you give, you are assisting in fulfilling the Great Commission. You're bringing the gospel to the nations and to the places around you. I think we get a hint of this down in verse 22 where Paul is closing his letter and he says, All the saints greet you, Philippians, especially those of Caesar's household. Now, Paul was in prison. He would have interacted with guards and workers in Caesar's household. The implication here is that because of his presence, they had heard the gospel and come to saving faith. Now, the Philippians would have not been able to fathom the fact that if they support Paul, then people in the household of the the most well-known pagan at the time would come to saving faith in Christ. But that is a blessing of their investment in the kingdom. The gospel is going forth as they support Paul. So ask yourselves, am I generous for the mission of God? And let me just encourage you here, because Seven Mile Road, it is so encouraging to me. I know I speak for Pastor Clint to say that you are a generous church. We've seen this in the COVID crisis, people stepping up, willing to to give time and support and money. We've seen it before giving to the, the mission of God, both in our city and for the gospel to go out around us. Praise God for it. Continue to treasure Jesus and be generous for His kingdom. But notice also, this isn't primarily about money. That's the context here. But also, ask yourself, am I generous with my time for the sake of God's mission? Am I, am I generous with my talents, the ways God has gifted me and wired me to, to leverage it to see people know the gospel? Am I generous with my relationships? You see, what the gospel creates in us is a holistic generosity. And friends, if you have a hard time, like all of us do at times, being generous for the mission, just pause and reflect on the gospel. What happened in the gospel? Jesus Christ gave up everything for the mission of redeeming you and me. And as we reflect on what Christ gave up, His generosity, our hearts will be stirred to live generously as well for the mission of the church and for His glory. And that leads us to number two. So number one, we have the mission of generosity, which is gospel advancement. Then number two, we see the purpose of generosity, which is worship. Look at verse 18. Paul says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So Paul says, listen, I have been blessed beyond measure by your gift. Thank you. And then he turns at the end of that verse 
and he uses Old Testament language to describe their gift as an act of worship. He calls it a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice. So, so think of a pleasing aroma to you, right? This is a reference to the Old Testament burnt offerings in the temple. Uh, a pleasing aroma to you may be like steak on the grill, right? Now you're hungry if you're watching this on Sunday before lunch. Or, or for me, one of the best smells is when that coffee starts brewing first thing in the morning. It's a pleasing aroma. It draws you in. You're happy about it, right? It pleases you. Paul uses similar, similar language like this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So, so the ultimate purpose of giving is the same as the ultimate purpose of our entire lives. It's the glory of God. It's to worship and exalt Him. So friends, this is why it's primarily, our giving is not primarily about the, the, the amount, right? Maybe you're hearing this and you're thinking, man, you're talking about giving and I, I really don't have much. Well, what God's primarily concerned with is the heart of worship in our generosity. We see this when Jesus tells a, uh, of the encounter in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4 of the, the widow's offering. He says in verse 1, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying, listen, it's not primarily about the amount. She gave very little. It's about the heart. She gave from a heart of worship that was entrusted to God. And by implication, these other men who had plenty of money and were giving, Jesus says their, their heart was not a heart of worship. And the implication is if it was, they would have given more. God's primary concern in our generosity is that we would have a heart of worship that seeks to exalt Him. See, this is why uh, non-Christians can be generous as well, not in the truest sense. You might be thinking, I know a lot of people who don't know God, they maybe even reject God, but they're kind and they're generous and they're giving, right? Well, the, what's the difference there? Well, the difference is motive, right? Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So however good a a donation is from someone who doesn't know God. However, God uses that for the common good of mankind. At its core, it is not an act of worship because the motive is not one of faith aiming to please and glorify God. And so this leads us, right, to look at our own hearts and check our own motives for our generosity and our giving. Are we generous for God's glory or are we generous for another reason? Are we generous to see God worshipped or are we giving to God to, give, to get something earthly in return? This is a common understanding of God. It's a misunderstanding of God in our country. Some could call it the prosperity gospel. In its worst forms, uh, it's TV preachers who say, listen, you need to give money to this ministry and God will in turn, He will multiply. As you sow that seed, He will give you 10 times more of the money that you've given. That's, that's a lie. That's turning God into a, a transaction. Or if you would just have enough faith in God and if you would give, your family will not 
get sick. You will be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. And friends, let's be honest. It's easy to spot those false preachers. But I think we struggle with a more, what I would call a subtle form of the prosperity gospel. And it says, God, I've done so much for you. I've been going to church. I've been giving. I've been praying. I've been living a a good life. Why don't I have blank? God, what have you done for me lately? I've been so faithful to you. Why don't I have that relationship I desire or that promotion I want or whatever it may be? And if we're not careful, we start thinking that way. And slowly what happens is we've exchanged the gifts for the giver in our worship. And we've exalted earthly possessions, temporal blessings above God, and we've ceased to worship Him. Or maybe we're giving, not for the glory of God, but in an attempt to gain God's favor. We think, God, I'm a miserable sinner. So I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to be generous so that you will love me and so that you will approve of me. Maybe that's a subtle thought in the back of our minds. That's not how the gospel works. My children give me gifts every week. I get drawings of monsters and princesses. I get bracelets made out of rubber bands, all sorts of gifts, and I welcome them gladly. Why why are they giving me those gifts? Are, Are they doing that so dad will love them? Are they saying, we need to give dad these gifts so that we can eat dinner tonight? No, absolutely not. That would be foolish. I would be a terrible parent if that's how we operated. No, they're giving because they are well loved by their father. And they naturally want to love in return. They're giving for nothing more than to see the smile on my face as I welcome those gifts. Brothers and sisters, that is the same with us. We give because the Father has richly blessed us in Christ. And we naturally want to glorify and please Him in return. And so the the purpose of generosity is worship. And then third and finally, we see that the source of, of generosity is Christ. Look at verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases verse 19. Listen to what he says. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. You see, the Apostle Paul is in prison. Eventually, he will lose his life for the sake of the gospel. By the world's standards, they would look at that and say, that man's a poor failure. But Paul knows that he has exceeding riches in Christ, that Christ will supply every need for him. Likewise, the the church at Philippi, it's not much to look at. Paul tells us that they're, they're poor. They're, they're not very, very well known in the community. But they can say, we have exceeding riches and treasures in Christ who supplies all things for us in Him. Friends, if you didn't listen to last week's sermon on contentment that flows from this, please go back and listen to it. Because this produces this contentment because that's something that can never be taken away. And that contentment then gives way to generosity if Jesus is our source. And notice again, we see here a phrase, one of Paul's favorite phrases in the New Testament in the book of Philippians is this phrase, in 
Christ. It's this doctrine of union with Christ. We are in Him, therefore all of our blessings flow from Him. Listen to what John Calvin says about union with Christ. He says, We should be satisfied with the benefits of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that when we are grafted into His body and made one with Him by belief of the gospel, then we may assure ourselves that He is the fountain which never dries up, nor can ever become exhausted, and that in Him we have all variety of good things and all perfection. You see, friends, this this turns the, the question, right? The underlying question is not primarily, are you generous? But the underlying question is, are you in Christ? Because that's where generosity and all blessings of the gospel flow. Have you been grafted into Him by faith who gave His life for you on the cross and defeated sin and death with His victorious resurrection? You see, just like a a lamp will not shine in your living room unless it's plugged in to the outlet, worshipful, joyous generosity will not happen unless you are plugged in to Christ by faith, either as a first time if you're not a believer or those of you who've been following Jesus for a while, an ongoing communion and reliance upon Him in faith. See, where does true gospel generosity come from? It comes from the riches and glory in Christ. So friend, if you're having a hard time being generous, look afresh to Christ who has given it all for you in the gospel. Or if your motives in generosity are wavering, look afresh to Christ who alone is your treasure, who is worthy of worship. Or if you're, you're maybe giving to get something in return, know this, in the gospel, you get Jesus, the inexhaustible treasure, the fountain of joy, and there's nothing worth more than Him. So to, to put a spin on Jim Elliott's quote that we mentioned at the beginning, we are not fools who give what we cannot keep because we have already gained an unimaginable treasure that we cannot lose. So church, let's find our eternal riches in our generous Christ so that we can be generous for the good of others and for the glory of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fountain of Christ that never dries up. We thank you that you have given us in Christ riches in glory. And God, we pray that those riches that we have in Christ would lead to a contentment that then gives way to generosity for your mission. That exalts you in generosity and that is rooted in Jesus. God, we pray this to our God and Father. Be glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.